This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. everybody. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. Great to have you with us. Today is February 6th. So welcome back to the show. Um, this is episode four of season four, and we have something a little different today. So the first three episodes were loosely uh, connected. We talked a lot about um, interesting things like cults and brainwashing and, and all that good stuff. But today we're going to go in a whole different direction. We're going back to transcending stories. Um, so this is a series Tammy and I started last year, um, a, a series about our foster care journey, our journey to become resource family in, in California. And we are going to do that today. So Tammy has joined me. Welcome, Tammy, to the show. I'm back again. Maybe I don't need to be welcomed anymore. It just as <laughs> Tammy's here. No more welcoming. Just, just here just she is. Just jump right in. Here she is. Sounds good. All right. So just a little recap. Maybe you can recap. Why did we decide to do this in the first place? Why did we decide to do this podcast? Or why did we decide to do this the series. series or yeah. whatever? I think it was just to kind of tell our story about the journey that we were on and about getting licensed as a resource family and why we decided to do it and just to kind of tell stories along the way in case there was anybody who was interested or anybody who like just interested in knowing the stories or hearing the stories and knowing what's happening. Or I think also if there was people that had been like thinking about like, oh, what would it be like to do that? And maybe I'm partially interested in it and how does it work and what does it mean and what does it look like? And so I think it was kind of twofold if I remember correctly, but there's been a lot that's happened since then. <laughs> yeah. So my brain may not also be remembering correctly. Yeah. Like when I look back at our notes from <clears throat> episode one, we talked about how we how we decided to become mm -hmm. a resource family. We talked about major milestones, what kind of pushed us over the ed edge to um, make us pull the trigger. We talked about what it looked like to get licensed, how long that took, and yeah. then and then we kind of talked probably a little bit about getting our first kiddo. Yeah, and that whole process. Yeah, that sounds so, right. That sounds right. And that was a while ago. So that was clear back in November, um, and I think we had planned on doing one. At some point in December, and then um, something crazy happened. So our little one was sent back to her parents. The courts decided that that was the thing to do. And so we'll talk a little bit about that today um, because we kind of put off doing an episode in December because all that was going on and it, it didn't really make sense at the time. So, so this is going to end up being more of a kind of a recap of that whole process and then maybe talk a little bit about the future. Sure. All right. So I guess we need to go back to what? November, December, probably early December when we started catching wind that court was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about court and all, all the fun court happenings that were supposed to happen and then didn't happen. Yeah. So basically when, and I can't, again, some of this might be a repeat, but I can't because I can't remember. But when a kid is removed from the home, there's a, a court date that has to happen, I think, within like 72 hours of a child being removed for a judge to basically decide like, yes, that removal was necessary and appropriate or no, it wasn't. And so uh, our kiddo had that court date, obviously, that happened because that's mandated. It has to be that fast. But then they're supposed to go back to court within a, like a month or two. Um, they're supposed to, you know, get in, figure out what's going on, and then go back to court to put a case plan in action. And then that's when the family's like timeline starts ticking of, you know, the courts will say, you have six months to do X, Y, and Z. And it, but that time doesn't start ticking until they have that next court date. And so when we got our little one in September, she was supposed to have, the family was supposed to have a court date. I literally think like the next week or two, there was supposed to be a court date that, that happened and that didn't happen. It got delayed. I believe that one might've been because 
dad's lawyer dropped him, I think was that first one. Uh, so another interesting, another interesting thing we learned about court is everybody kind of has lawyers. So the county has a lawyer. Uh, the kid in the foster care system has a lawyer that's obviously just court, court appointed to them. And then um, mom and dad, if there's both mom and dad involved, they both can have their own separate lawyers. Most of the time, those lawyers are court appointed lawyers because otherwise you have to pay for them, right? Um, but our little one, I don't know about mom's lawyer, but dad's lawyer was not court appointed. He, I think, was paying for a lawyer, but his first lawyer dropped him. And so they didn't go to court in September because of that. And then it got pushed to October. They were supposed to go in October. And the October date didn't happen because I think dad's lawyer wasn't available for the court date. And so then that court date got pushed to November. And the November one also, now I'm forgetting if the, the November one, I think also they went, that's right. They went in November and it got can't remember the exact term that she used, but it basically got pushed. Yeah, it got bumped. Yeah. <clears throat> so it got bumped. And she didn't really know why that happened um, in November. She, like the, the when I say she, the caseworker, the caseworker wasn't really sure. She wasn't really given information. She was just told, oh, it was bumped. And the next court date will be um, like early December. So it didn't, the other ones had been bumped like a month at a time. And this one went from like, I think the end of November I think actually literally like right after Thanksgiving, maybe that Monday after Thanksgiving to like just another week or a week and a half later. So it got, it was a very quick, like it got bumped, but just an, another week or so out. So, so we weren't really sure. I think that was the one that we weren't really sure like why it got bumped or I, I, I think that was the deal with that one. I'm, I'm now getting it kind of all confused in my head, but then the next one that happened, they did actually go. And I think it might have been somewhere right before that that we learned that the dad's lawyer was asking for this special program called CRISP, C-R-I-S-P. And I don't, I not I can't tell you what it stands for right off the top of my head. I mean, I can tell you what it means, but that dad's lawyer was asking for that. And so that kind of came out by the social worker that that's what they're asking for. So actually, I think. We might have known that in November, and she was like, that's what they're asking for, but I think it was at the November court date that it came out, that's what they were asking for, and it got pushed, and that it got pushed because I don't think anybody thought that's what was going to happen, right? So then, then like, her, the kiddo's lawyer and the county lawyers were like, okay, wait, we need time. We've got to, like, you know, we've got to figure this out from here. So, <clears throat> so we they went back in December, and kind of came back at it again, like, hey, this is what we're asking for in early December. And I, do you remember like what, because then it got, it got delayed, not delayed, but there was another court date that happened after that. Like there was a court date that happened. And we really, at that point, were like kind of on pins and needles thinking like, because the caseworker was like, if CRISP does get approved, she could literally go home immediately. So so we were, I remember literally sitting all day, like knowing that the court was happening that day and like on pins and needles, like, oh my gosh, it could be today. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then we never heard anything from the social worker. And so I finally texted it and she was like that night, like, oh yeah, no, it's now next week. Like they're going back to court next week or in a week and a half or something to like do, to have more conversation. Is that kind of how you remember it? Like I just can't remember between yeah, I like all the number all the number of scheduled court dates, yeah. but it just kept things kept getting bumped, and then yeah. they would have court, and something would get um, resolved or discussed, and we wouldn't really be part of it. It mm -hmm. would just be like, oh yeah, we bumped it again for another two weeks, or yeah. we have something else we need to look into, or whatever. But I, I want to talk more about the crisp thing and what it meant, like it, what it actually means. But before that, maybe we should talk about our expectations or what the social workers kind of laid out as the typical, um, I guess, length. That you like how it normally happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they, t they tell you that most kids are in the system at least six months because they go to court and there's normally a six, they do like these six month intervals. So they go back 
to court every six months. So they go, there's like, okay, you have to do X, Y, and Z in six months. And though, you know, the caseworkers are keeping, so the kid's caseworker is the same as the family's caseworker. So, right, that caseworker is the one that's overseeing that entire case plan. So they're keeping up on things and all that kind of stuff. And then at six months, they go back in at six months and look, what have you done? What's happening? Mom and dad, have you done the things we've asked you to do? And then they do another six months at a time. So kind of what we were told from the very, very beginning is you should plan for at least six months. Most cases, somewhere between a year and kind of 18 months. Like 18 months is normally the 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 um, maximum before you, if, if anything goes past 18 months, then most of the time you know it's probably headed towards adoption. The family's not doing what they're being asked to do and parental rights may be terminated. But they they kind of told us somewhere between that 12-month and 18-month mark, you'll really know because you'll start to be able to tell are visits happening more often? Are overnight visits allowed? Like you'll start to see a change. Either you'll start to see a change in like positive, like this kid's going home, or if there's absolutely no change, that's gonna also tell you oh, things aren't progressing the way that they were hoping things would progress, and there's a good chance this kid may never go home. So we kind of had in our head six months to 18 months, that's going to kind of be the length, probably somewhere between six months and a year for sure, like is where we're, is where we're, where we kind of landed and what we were told at the very beginning. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so six month intervals, but you know, we had had her for what, three months and we weren't even fully sure if the original court date that would start the six months had had happened, right? No, it hadn't. I mean, because that's what the social worker told us. She she just said like this court date that we're wait that's that's happening. That's when the six months starts. So that was one of her things, and we can kind of tell the story later because she just didn't really think that CRISP was going to happen. And she's mm-hmm. like, you know, unfortunately, what I don't like to tell families is the more you push at this and you delay and you delay, it delays your start date. It delays you actually working to get your kid back. So, so yeah, it hadn't. That six months hadn't even started yet. Yeah, so it was a really weird situation with, you know, the court appearances not happening and 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 all of that. But in our brain— you know, we're just kind of going off what the social workers are telling us. Here's here's the typical traditional, you know, situation where you've got the kid, you've got a six month review, you know, then you got a twelve month and an eighteen month, and at some point in there, you know, you, almost like you'll probably feel that it's coming mm-hmm. because you know you've had court dates, you've you've learned information about the parents that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. If the kids are or if the parents are doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, visitation is probably increasing. Maybe you're going moving toward overnights, things like that. So, so you should see that kind of gradual progression as you go. And so back to the story, back to the crisp story. So, so the parents are asking for crisp. We don't, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's basically a program that the the court allows you to go into if they feel it's appropriate, I guess. Yeah. So what we, what I learned or what we learned through it was CRISP is not something that normally families ask for. CRISP is something that social workers, when a kid is first removed from the home, if they feel like they, there's not like this kid is in danger or somewhat in danger, but not enough that maybe we remove, we go ahead and let the kid stay home with intense supervision by a social worker. So it's normally, it's normally asked for by the social workers. It's not asked for by a family. So it was, I think that was the reason that this, this court kept getting like pushed a little, a little, a little, because it was like this unusual thing that nobody was prepared to kind of do. So, but basically, so that's basically what it is, is it's, 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 it's the child stays in the home if it happens how it normally happens. The child stays in the home with the family. They don't remove, but a social worker, it's given to a completely different department called the CRISP department. And they have, a social worker comes out at least twice a week to visit with the family. They do drop-in visits, so unannounced visits. So they kind of will follow a, a kiddo and a family for a while just to make sure. And the families are following through. The kiddo's getting the services that they need, that things are happening and then they make decisions after that. Like, okay, well, does this kid need to stay in the system? Is the family doing everything? Are we good, we good to close a case? But this situation with our one was, I think, completely different, completely out of the blue, and not the way that that program normally works. Yeah, and I think you mentioned all of the lawyers who are involved. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think what we've learned after the fact is that typically families don't acquire 
lawyers on their own. And so this was a a unique situation because the dad had his own lawyer, multiple lawyers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, but there's a good chance that the, the attorney that dad had knows the system. He knows the the programs, he knows the buzzwords. And so this lawyer probably, you know, came up with that as a, as a, um, an out really like, Hey, we could go to court and we could petition to have this program instated, which would mean she would come home right after court. Mm-hmm. No, I know and that's so, how it worked because that's what mom told us. Like mom said, made some comment to me at some point about that if they hadn't found this lawyer. They would have never known about this program, and it, this would have gone on a lot longer. So, yeah. yeah, it was totally dad's lawyer. Okay, so when did this all happen? Literally the week. When did she go back? The final court date was like what the week before Christmas. It was the week. <laughs> I can tell you. I think it might be like December nineteenth, but it was December nineteenth. Um. So here we are at home with a little one. Christmas tree, Christmas presents, like preparing for Mm -hmm. what Christmas would be like, you know, Mm -hmm. with this little one. Mm -hmm. And then we have court on the 19th. Yeah. So we, there had been court like the week or the week and a half before that. And we, in between that first court date in December and this one on the 19th, we had a normal visit with our social workers. So they come out once a month to visit with the child. And in that, right, they talk to the foster parents and I'm assuming they do once a month, at least once a month visit with the family as well. But we had our normal, we always kind of did a visit in the middle of the month. And so we had this one scheduled because I remember asking her like, oh, well, but if she goes home, we won't do this, right? And she's like, right. But then, so then that court date thing, like, right, it got pushed. So we had this visit and the social worker was very, she was pretty adamant about the fact, and I guess we need to probably go back even further a little bit after this and talk about what we did when we knew CRISP was a possibility, like the process we walked through to make sure that we were heard and that what we thought should happen was heard by the courts. But anyway, so she came out and was pretty adamant that she didn't think it was going to go through. So, I mean, she flat out said to us, like, I'll, I'll be shocked. I don't see her going home. Um, I don't, I had told her like how we were, had kind of been on pins and needles and we were worried about it. And our kids were all on pins and needles, you know, thinking like, oh my gosh, is she going to go home the last time? And she kind of apologized and she was like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, um, that it was like that, but I really don't see this happening. Um, you know, she kind of explained some situations with the family, um, that things hadn't been going the way that they hoped things had, had, were supposed to go with the family and that our little girl had a lot of needs that they were really afraid weren't going to get met if she did go home. And she, I mean, she just flat out said like the county lawyers are not recommending it. Um, our little girl's lawyer was not recommending it. And actually the other thing she said, which was interesting is that the CRISP department had denied the referral. So they had put a referral through for CRISP and that department had denied it. So she was like, with all of that, I really don't see, I don't think she's going home. So I don't really think you have anything to worry about. She's like, and, but I will make sure on Monday, she's like, Mondays is normally my day off. And she's like, but I'll get an email about what happened at court. Monday afternoon sometime and I'll make sure I check for you and I'll be in touch just so you guys like kind of know you don't have to worry as much, you know? So that's kind of how she left it with us literally the Wednesday before. So we met with her on like the 15th or something. And that's what she said to us on that date. And so we were kind of like, okay, well, great. Like. Yeah. And again, going back, not only are you having social workers kind of telling you what they think is going to happen, but then you know, you just, you hear that the traditional mm-hmm. program is, you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, we went into December 19th feeling somewhat comfortable, like just, yeah, it, they'll probably have court and she'll probably come home and mm-hmm. it'll be, it'll be normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you tell that story. Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny because all of our kids were home for the holidays at that point. They, she had finished out, so school for her had ended the Friday before. So she was technically on like Christmas break <clears throat> starting that week, but she was going to her app before and after school program was open that week leading up to Christmas. And so she, we took her Monday morning like normal so she could go there so we could work because we were still working that week. 
But our other kids were home. Our two girls were home from college. And we all knew the court date was that date. But to be honest, I kind of forgot about it. Like, I got up that morning, did my normal thing. And some point in the afternoon, I remember you saying to me, like, oh, have you heard anything? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's today. Like, no, I haven't. So I said, I'm just kind of— And by that point, I think when you asked, it was, like, probably 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 3 or 4 o'clock. And I was like, no, like, I haven't heard anything. So I'm just assuming, like, they didn't— it didn't go, it went the way the social workers thought and like nothing, nothing different is happening. <clears throat> so that was that. I mean, it kind of was left at that. And then I left to run to the bank for work and I went like right before five o'clock before they closed. And I was literally, I came out of the bank, got back into the car, was sitting in my car and the phone rang and it was the social worker. And I immediately was like, oh, that's interesting because she wouldn't be calling to tell me, you know, that things went how we thought they would went go you know she there's she would just text me that so she called and just i answered the phone and she just was like i am so sorry and i'm so shocked she's like but they ordered crisp and so um i know mom and dad are going to want her back tonight so this was at five o'clock when she called she said i know they're going to want her back tonight um do you have any ideas on like when you think you can make that happen like how many hours you need and of course, I'm just like, I uh, I haven't even picked her up from school yet. Like we haven't, we hadn't, we hadn't said anything to her about the fact that this could be coming or happening because we didn't want to set her up to be disappointed. So I'm like, I haven't told her we have to, I mean, I hadn't packed anything because I'm like, this isn't going to happen. So like, why would I, and why would I pack things and confuse her, right? Like, why would I start to do that? And her be like, why are you packing my stuff? So I like, we just went along as everything was going to stay as is. So I was like, I don't know. I'm, I mean, we're going to need at least a couple of hours. And she's like, well, can I just, I'm going to call dad and mom when you're done, when we're done. And she's like, can I just have them connect with you? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. So <clears throat> I got off the phone with her. I immediately called Daryl and told him. And uh, and then my next phone call was, I knew our Allie, our oldest, was on her way out to be gone overnight. And I had seen on our ring, I had seen our ring go off and I knew about what time she was going to leave. And so I knew that it was her leaving and it had just happened. So I immediately called her and I was like, hey, FYI, just so you know, like this is what's going down. So if you want to wait to go for a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and I went and picked up her, I keep, I like her name just wants to pop out of my mouth, but I went and picked her up from school and tried to, in a roundabout way, tell her teachers that she wasn't coming back without her hearing me say that and like trying to kind of clue them in, but not being able to talk to them because she was like right there on top of me. So we left there. And as I was pulling into our garage, uh, dad texted and just said, Hey, you know, we just heard from the social worker. When can we like, you know, when can we meet you to get her? And I just was like, I, we haven't even told her yet. We are literally just getting home. I, I don't know how she's going to take it. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. So we need some time. We need at least a couple of hours. And it was, you know, five fifteen by this point or whatever. And I'm like, she, if you want us to feed her dinner, like, you know, so yeah. So that's, that's kind of how, I mean, it went down. Like, do you want me to go like further and, or do you want to stop and yeah, I think that's good. I mean, for now, just the fact that it came out of the blue, you know, here it is <laughs> it right before Christmas and, you know, having to bring her home, tell her, you know, deal with that, which she handled well, but, mm -hmm. but I think she was still a little shell-shocked and, you know, a little confused. So had dinner, you know, spent a good chunk of time packing up and, and kind of doing some family stuff uh, before taking her over. But mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was a little crazy. So yeah. yeah, maybe I mean maybe talk about the just the handoff and what what our what our hopes were, but we you know, we weren't really sure what was going to happen at that point. Yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is is I have some friends that are in the system and have been a part of the system for a, a long time. And one of the things she said to me was she's like, I've always heard stories about things like this happening. She's like, but I've never known in all of my years doing this, I've never known anybody personally that this type of thing has happened to where you literally get a phone call and they go home that night. Like it just doesn't happen like that. It just, um, and so she, you know, so this is not, I just, I think I want to say that to say, this is not normal. This is not how it goes. This is 
if you're thinking about getting into this, chances are this will never happen to you. I think we are an anonymously, anonymy, anonymously, uh, anyways, however you said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, an anon, anonymously, uh, anyways. Um, but <clears throat> so it just, it, it's not a normal thing. Like, like we said before, there's normally a process and you know it's coming and there's a really nice transition time that happens, but that was, did not happen that way for this time. So, I mean, it was literally... We found out at five o'clock and we dropped her off at eight. So, I mean, it was three. We we all, all of us had three hours of notice that this was going to happen. So, yeah. So we, I mean, we took her and again, because we, this thought process had been put in our heads that this could happen. I had kind of started a conversation with mom. I didn't really talk. I mean, we talked with dad when we dropped her off and picked her up for visits um, cause he was the one that always did that. Mom was never a part of that, but mom and I would email back and forth. And so I had mentioned to mom in some emails that, Hey, you know, if this happens, like we would still love to be a part of her life. Um, whatever, however that looks for you guys, it's obviously going to be up to you, but you know, we, um, we would just still like to be a part. And my other big concern was <clears throat> when this court date was supposed to happen at the beginning of December, I didn't want her to have to do all of that like before school ended for Christmas break. So I was like, that's going to be awful for her to go to school one day and literally to come home from school and go have to go back to her family and start a brand new school right before Christmas break to not get to say goodbye to her teachers and her friends. And like for there to literally be no transition like that, I just, I was really, really concerned about that and just didn't feel like that was in the best interest of her. So I'd started a conversation about mom about, hey, if she does go home, what, would you guys be willing to keep her at her school until at least Christmas break so that there's a nice like transition and break? Um, and mom wasn't so sure about that and kind of was just kind of vague and kind of was like, I don't know, we'll have to see what dad decides. And so so that had kind of been the feedback we had gotten about that. Um, so when we dropped her off, um, I mean, it was sad. It was hard. We... Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're trying so hard to be excited for her because you know it's what her little heart wants. So I like was sitting telling her that she was, you know, getting to go home and was trying to be like so excited and so like uh, you know, we're so excited for you, we're so happy for you, but I'm doing it all through tears, you know. So what a mixed message, right? And she's so cute. Like at some point she just kind of was like, "Why why are you crying? Why do you have tears?" So we got to talk about that we get have tears when we're sad and we have tears when we're happy. And um, so, but anyways, so yeah, so we, yeah, took her to a parking lot that we had always met dad in and handed her off and- I filled up his trunk. Filled up his <laughs> trunk and his back seat. I think he was shocked with um, the stuff that she had. And it wasn't, I mean, she definitely got stuff at our house, but a lot of it came from the prior foster family that she was with. I mean, she had, they, they had gotten her- I think the reason now when I think back about it, that the family, the dad was so shocked was I remember the other foster family telling us like she, they got her with nothing. So I think when she was removed there, she was removed with the clothes on her back and that was it. So then when she's returned and there is a trunk full of her stuff, mm -hmm. plus her, his backseat was full or half of his backseat was full. I think that it was just like, I mean, he just... I don't know. I think it was total shock. I don't, I, I don't know. Right. So, um, but yeah, so we kind of just handed her off and I had, I had texted him, uh, in those strings back and forth, determining what time we would be taking her and handing her off. I had just said like, Hey, we have Christmas for her, but there's no way for me to get everything prepared for her. Like, I mean, I had Christmas bought, but I had everything shoved back in our closet with all of the rest of our kids stuff. We had a stocking for her. Like, we had all of the stuff, but I'm like, there's just no way I can get all of that ready and prepared for her. And so I just had asked in a text, like, hey, do you think before or after Christmas we could get you her Christmas presents or we could give them to her? And he never responded in the text. And so when we dropped her, we loaded everything, and he took her, and I just said, hey, that text that I sent you um, about that stuff, like— what do you think? And his response to me in the moment was, um, we'll have to pray about that. And uh, I don't think any of us were very happy with that response just because I don't necessarily probably need to go into it, but it just didn't feel, it just felt like he was placating us. Like the answer was going to be no, you know, and it was just an easy way for him to just kind of placate and be like, oh, I don't know. I'll have to think about it, you know? And I just was like, 
that's nice. Here you, I think, I mean, just to be real, like my first response in the moment, of course, not to him, but to myself and to the family was just like, here you've had a family that has cared for her and has Christmas ready for her. Wouldn't you want her in a home like that rather than in a home where the people were like, we're not buying Christmas for her. It doesn't matter that Christmas is less than a week away at this point. No, no, we don't have anything for her. Like, you know, so there was a piece of that that I was just mad. I was mad and hurt. Like, how dare, like, why, why does it matter to you? Like, I don't even care if you give her the presents, but what am I supposed to do with all these presents now, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how things got left when we handed her off on that Monday evening. So. Yeah, it was real, real downer. Like, we, I think we just assumed that that was it. Mm-hmm. That, uh-huh. that, you know, he said he'd pray about it, which really meant, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And we would probably never hear from them again. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it was definitely an interesting yeah, it was definitely an interesting night. That night, lots of tears by all of us that then turned in when that happened into frustration and irritation and mad and angry. And like, yeah, I think we kind of ran the gamut of all of the emotions. So that night. Yeah. Well, I want to get back to the end of the story and and kind of what happened since then. But before that, uh, there was a piece I wanted to touch on because um, I don't know if it's come across that we are we were against her going home or that we were against crisp or we were against all of this stuff. Cause on, on some level, you know, we, our whole goal is to get these kids home to their parents. I mean, that's the, that's why we've been into it. We're not looking to adopt foster kids. You know, it's, we want to help these kids when they're in this period of time, it's a rough period of time. You know, they need a safe place while their parents work through their stuff. So our goal is to get them home. So we're not against her going home and we're not against even like programs like CRISP. But one of the big things that we were sad about, or one of the, one of the reasons, I guess, if you were to say, well, it sounds like you didn't really feel like she was ready to go home or you didn't really want her to go home. And, and why is that? Um, and the, the biggest thing for us was the, the things that we saw in her, the things that we saw that she was struggling with dealing with, um, and knowing that the only way that she was going to get help for those things is if she was evaluated. So, and Tammy did a crap ton of work to, to kind of start that process, which ended up not happening. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that, like what we were trying to get set up and then what, you know, yeah. because of going home so quickly, it, it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, we were trying to get an evaluation through the schools. So that was recommended that we, well, supposedly that process had been started when she was in the other school district with the other foster family. Um, And then it supposedly got transferred to our school district. But then through several phone calls and talking to many people and getting on the phone call, getting on the phone with a psychologist at her school, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, but it never happened. So Um, we were, I spent an hour on the phone with the school psychologist talking about like what our options were and, um, what we were dealing with and what we thought. And a lot of that came from, uh, the doctor. So she, we were lucky enough that the other foster family found an amazing pediatrician that had, um, done a lot of stuff with kids in the foster care system. And so she was well-versed in the system and well-versed with the things the kids in the system dealt with. And she, the first visit I took her, I took our little one to with her, Um, She asked some questions. I told her some of my concerns and some of the things that I saw right off the bat that like just put red flags up in me. And she immediately, one of the questions she asked was about um, if I knew if there was any sort of prenatal alcohol use, um, you know, from mom. And I just was like, I don't know. I don't have that history. Not that I've heard. And um, she just said, I see fetal alcohol syndrome in her. She's got the facial features of it and the things that you're describing her the way she's behaving and things like that. Um, she's like, I think that's what we're dealing with. She's like, but I can't diagnose it. Um, they would say I'm out of my scope to diagnose something like that. So she needs to be seen by a neurologist um, to do that diagnosis. <clears throat> so we started down the path of, okay, so let's get that started. And so <clears throat> we did all this paperwork. I made all these phone calls. It took me forever we had to get her insurance, had to, you know, verify it or make it be. And then it was like, oh, they gave me the wrong person to call. I mean, I can't, I don't even know how many people I called and they're like, oh no, this isn't the right place you're calling. You need to, we don't even see kids. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, this is why people give up right here. This is why people give up. But, um, 
So finally, I got the place that was like, this is the place um, that she needs to be evaluated at and made the phone call and they sent me all the paperwork and I sent it back and they were like, okay, well, that's great. Thanks for that. But our wait list is nine to 12 months. So it's going to be nine to 12 months before she can be evaluated. And I was, you're just like nine to 12 months. Like that's not going to be helpful. That's, I know we, I mean, I know most people know that early intervention is what's important and if we don't get, we, we can't wait nine to 12 months to do anything. So, so then we started down the path of just trying to get services for her. So occupational therapy services, speech services, physical therapy services. So we started down that path. And <clears throat> so that's, that is really where, because what we knew, what we had heard and the feelings we had, the intuition we had, and what had also been confirmed to us by social workers and things like that was that, um, there was a really high probability that the family would not follow through with any of those things. And so that was, I think, our biggest concern was we wanted her back with her mommy and daddy. She loved her mommy and daddy. She looked forward to going on her visits on every Sunday. I mean, she, the weekend, the weekend would come and she knew like, oh, Saturday is a no school day. Sunday is a mommy and daddy day. And I mean, she counted down sleeps until she got to see them. So it was not a negative thing at all. But we were just very concerned knowing we we did a lot of research on FASD. Daryl and I listened to podcasts and webinars and we read stuff. And, you know, this is FASD is not something that just goes away. It's it's a lifelong battle um, and it's something that can cause a lot of issues um, and it can you know, it causes academic issues. It causes issues socially. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of stuff that it caused and we could already see a lot of that in her. And so we just, we wanted her to get the help and we wanted at least my goal was to get it all started. Cause I'm like, if it gets started and if there's a diagnosis that will follow her, that's what I want. I just like, I want there to be something that is in writing that is like, this is what she has. This is what she needs. So that when she does go home, there will be a better chance of that having to be followed through on because it's in her record. It's in her school record, right? Um, that type of thing. So that was really, I was like, I just want to get that done. If we can just get that done for her, get her started in services, get this diagnosis done, then I felt really comfortable. Like, okay, she can go home and it'll, they'll, it'll have to get followed through on. At least the schools will know about it. Somebody will be watching and making sure she gets the help that she needs. So yeah, that's really where we were at with her. Yeah. So that was the sad part is just more of the the plan we were trying to get in place so that, it, you know, it really set her up for success at home. Mm-hmm. So then back to the story. So we drive away, no little kiddo in the car. What happens next? Yeah. I mean, so that was Monday. And I mean, we all kind of went back to our normal, as much of our normal life and routine as we could, you know, preparing for Christmas at that week before Christmas is I don't know about you guys, but always feels like a crazy chaotic week as you're getting everything ready and preparing. And, you know, we were, I think all, all week thinking about her as I got all the Christmas gifts out and, you know, went through them and we wrapped all of our kids' Christmas gifts. You know, it was like, I had this whole little pile set aside for her and I just kind of put it back in my closet and was like, I'm not, I'll deal with it after Christmas. So we'll see who knows. Um, Maybe I'll give some of it away. I'll hold some of it for the next kiddo that we might have. Um, But all week, I just really was praying, just like, you know, I just, God, I need you to do what you're going to do in this, but I just really hope we can see her again, or we can at least give her these gifts, or we can somehow be a part of her life. And so, but I had just been like, it's not, I don't have any control over it. I'm not reaching out. I'm not asking, like I had told the social worker what we were hoping for and what we wanted and what we asked of the parents. And her response was kind of like, well, I don't know, but I hope, (laughs) you know, so I was like, nobody's going to make it happen. You know, there's nothing in any end of it says that, oh, you have to keep contact, you know? So, um, so yeah, so we went about that week and Christmas Eve morning, I woke up and, um, I had kind of just, I didn't, I don't think I even set an alarm that day. I don't, I don't even remember, but I woke up and there was, um, a text on my phone from dad and he just said, Hey, um, I, you know, we we are totally fine if you guys give her Christmas. And I was like, "Mm, okay. Like, what does he mean by this? Like, does he mean like you can drop off the gifts? Does he mean like, uh, you can see her like, you know, it's that whole, like, what does he mean? 
Um, <clears throat> and so I just started asking some questions like, oh, well, do you want us to bring this stuff to you? Do you want to just meet somewhere? And we hand this stuff off. And he was like, no, you can have her for the day. And we were like, okay. So, and he was like, yeah, just let me know. But you can totally, we just need her back by six o'clock. Like, but you can totally have her. And I think I read the text at like 9 a.m. or something. So we then all got put into high gear, um, you know, so got up and wrapped all of her gifts. And um, we picked her up from him and got to spend Christmas Eve with her. So got to give her Christmas. And, um, you know, so it was, I I think, completely unexpected by all of us um, that day. But so much fun. So, so much fun to have yeah. her. Yeah. And it's happened, what? Twice since then? Yeah. Yeah. So we've had her for like an afternoon or the day or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. So it's been fun. Yeah. He kind of just, I mean, when we did the exchange that day, just kind of said to us like, um, I can't even remember now like exactly what it was, but just something about the fact of like, you know, uh, we, you know, she, I, I, I can't even remember, but just basically like, I, we know it's important for her to see you guys. She asks about you guys a lot. Um, you know, she always wants to know when she gets to go back to Tammy and Daryl's house. Cause that was one that, and sorry, this makes me a little emotional, but that was one of the things when we told her like, Hey, you get to go home. Like, we're so excited. You know, you're going to get to go back to your mommy and daddy's. And one of the questions she asked me was like, like for good, like I get to sleep there. And I was like, yeah, you get to sleep there. And she's like, well, when do I get to come back here? And it was like, sweetie, I don't know. I don't think you do, you know? Um, and so that was like, you know, you could just see in her little eyes, like, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, it's that whole, like, I'm supposed to be excited because I get to go home, but wait a minute. Like, I also really like it here. And so anyways, but yeah, so we've had her. And he just kind of told us, like, when we dropped her off that Christmas Eve, when he, like, when we exchanged her back and he took her back on Christmas Eve, he just kind of said, whenever you guys want her, um, just let me know, you know, she, um, we think it's important. And so, um, yeah, so we've reached out. I think we saw her a couple of weeks after Christmas and then we just had her this last Saturday. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I think if the, if a kid is a little bit older, <clears throat> I think they can compartmentalize a bit more. It's like, you know, my home is over there. I'm in this strange house. And even if I liked being in this strange house, you know, I know that I want to go back to my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And I and I probably know that if I go back to my parents' house, I'm probably not coming back here. Mm -hmm. But I think I think in a five-year-old's mind, I think it's like <laughs> you now have these two environments and it's not one or the other. It's both and. Like mm -hmm. you, in your brain, this is my life. I live in these two places. Mm -hmm. And so it probably was really difficult for her to figure that out mm -hmm. going home and yeah, it's kind of like a divorced home, right? Like a kiddo who has divorced parents. It's like, well, I have two sets of parents. Like I'm here sometimes and I'm there sometimes, you know? And and our house was, I mean, not, you know, her, it's just her and her house. It's her and her mom and dad. And her mom and dad are a little bit old. Her mom is a little younger than us, but her dad is a good 10 years older than us. Um, and there's no siblings. There's no anybody else around. And though there's no kids her age in our house, she got very attached to our kids and so I think that was part of it. It was like, well, wait a minute, but it's fun here. And there's people, and and it didn't help that like all of our kids were home. So our girls were home. So it's like, well, but wait, like I, I've been waiting for Rachel to come home for the last three months that I've been here. And now she's here and I can see her every day and spend time with her. And, but wait, but I'm not, what do you mean? I don't get to come back. Like, you know, so I think mm. that's part of it too. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the last thing, I have a couple things on my list here to other topics we can talk about, but one of them was just learnings from this whole situation. So this is our first kiddo, right? We've done safe families before, so we've mm -hmm. had lots of kids in our house, but this is our first actual foster child. So what did you take from those three months? Hmm. <laughs> or do you want me to start? Yeah, you, you about start. It? Yeah. So for me, <laughs> my biggest learning is just don't trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I think I'm a very black and white person. So I think I, you know, when, when I hear seasoned social workers talking about this is the way it works, this is the way the system mm -hmm. works, you know, in my brain, I, I want it to work that way. Like I just, I, if that's the way it's supposed to work, then that's the way it should work. And so mm -hmm. I think when I, you know, when I hear six months, 12 months, 18 months, you know, it doesn't have to be 
one or the other of those time periods. It just, but it should at least follow the charted <laughs> course, right? So, so I think I can fall into that black and white thinking of it. It just has to be that way, which so. is interesting for you because you have experience with kids in court, like the stuff you did, right? Like in your previous life, like, and maybe a little, uh, very different. I'm different, I'm sure, but you kind of know the court system. And like, can you think back to that? And like, my guess is it's, you kind of learned it wasn't black and white, like judges make decisions and, and all of a sudden things are different than what you thought they were going to be or, or not necessarily. Do you feel like it did run very black and white back then? No, I think, I think you're right. I think I should, I should know better because I worked, I worked in residential care. So, you know, we would have kids in this residential program for extended periods of time and we'd have to go to court with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the judge would ask us for our assessment or our, you know, uh, explanation of their behavior and what our recommendations were. And, and yeah, I mean, you never knew from court date to court date, what, what the judge would do if they would tell them that you're done, like you don't need to be in that program Mm -hmm. anymore, or if they, you know, extended their time. So, yeah. So I guess, I mean, I, I should understand that about court and about judges, but but it's been a while too since you've done that. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I guess I think in this case it was just I probably got lulled into the um just to understand, you know, you know, you see you see the situation, you see her behavior, you see her mental health needs, you see mm-hmm. the the way that the parents um act and 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 whether or not they're following the court's recommendations. Mm-hmm. And you think you know, I'm I'm a pretty smart guy. I think I can kind of read the room. Like mm-hmm. I can kind of mm-hmm. I can kind of tell, right? So I think it was just a shock to the system because yeah, it went it so went against what seemed like common sense. But yeah, yeah. that's that's true. I can I can totally understand that because yeah, of everything we were told and what we saw too, and what like you know one of the big things for us was these her visits with her family on Sundays were supposed to be supervised and we knew they weren't being supervised. She would tell us, like we would ask and she would just flat out say like, oh no, my uncle doesn't stay. He just goes home. And we, I told the, every time we had a visit with the social workers, I told them that. Like I made it known that that's, they're not being supervised and everybody knew it. And so I'm like, you, you go to court and you say, the things we've asked the family to do, one, they're not doing and two, they're not even following the rules that we've set for them to do, but yet the decision still is that, well, she's going to go home. But yeah. I kind of have my theories around why I think that is, why it went down that way. But, um, but yeah. Well, another one of my learnings is just, I think how significant it is that they had a family lawyer or a lawyer mm-hmm. that they paid for. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's something, you know, if this is something that you're looking into doing or you want to do in the future, um, just always keep that in the back of your mind. If, if the family doesn't have an attorney, maybe it's more likely that it's going to follow the projected course yeah. um, with the courts. But, you know, if if they have their own lawyer, there's a good chance that things might be different. Yeah. So No, for, no I think that's, you're 100% right. So, and I, I would say probably, I mean, I don't, probably depends on what county you're in, what state you're in, like all of that stuff. But my, sure. what I've heard and what my guesstimate would be is probably 95% of the kids have, or families have court-appointed lawyers. Like, it's just, you know, there's a reason kids end up in foster care and there's all sorts of cycles of poverty and racial stuff. I mean, it's it just, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff, so. So but. what else? Anything, anything specifically <clears throat> you learned through this? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I would say, like, in all of it, it was worth it. So, sure. it, yeah, I mean- it was hard, but it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot, a lot of work. Um, a lot of like, a lot of tears at moments and a lot of like frustration sometimes and a lot of like, oh my gosh, what have we gotten ourselves into sometimes? Um, but also like so fun and so rewarding. Um, you know, so many people would be like, I just don't, how do you do this? Like, why would you do this? Like, aren't you just afraid you're going to get too attached to her? And I'm like, yeah, we are. We're going to get too attached. Um, <laughs> and it's when she leaves, it's going to be hard. But that's the point. Like, wouldn't you want her in a home where people do get too attached to her, you know? Um, and so I wouldn't change it. I would do it all over again. So I think that's just 
probably what I would say, what I would come out with is like, yeah, get too attached, do all of the things, love them like how you should um, do, you know, everything in place that you can get in place and start that process early, as early as you possibly can, um, just to give them, to get them involved in all the things that they need to get involved in. And, you know, I had all sorts of things I had in the back of my head that I wanted to get her involved in outside of like just her therapy and stuff I knew she needed. But, you know, I was like, oh, she loves to do this and she loves to do that. And I want to see her get to do more of that. But I think my learning would just be like, go all in, go all in no matter what. So. Yeah, that's good. So that's really it. Um, The last thing I have on here is how soon are we doing this over again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are. It's funny because we were just talking at dinner tonight. We are open. um, So we've. We kind of, it was funny because I think two or three days afterwards she went home, I kind of made some comment um, around the kids and stuff about, oh, when we have the next one. And Tyler was like, yo, can we have a minute? <laughs> like, I need a second to to process all of this. <laughs> I was like, nobody, I don't mean right now. It's going to be a minute. So we got through the holidays and kind of got our girls sent back off and had some conversations with Tyler um, again, like, you know, Hey, what do you think? Are you ready? Um, and it's funny. His first reaction was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready. That's really hard. Like, you know, um, he was like, I can't, I can't imagine what it would have been like to say goodbye if we had had her for a year as hard as it was after just three months, you know? Um, but then as we kind of talked more about it, more with him about it, I think it just, he was like, yeah, it's fine. Like it's, it's okay. You know? Um, and so we, I mean, I kind of, we unofficially opened back up, like, I don't know, right after our girls kind of went back to school. And then I made the official phone call like last week to, and here in Orange County, they have like a family open or placement line that when you um, have, you know, an opening in your house that you can call. And so they put you on the list. So we did that. I did that last week and last Monday, and we got a couple of calls, but not for any kids that were in our age range. So um, all teenagers that they were calling about, which um, at some point we will do, I don't have a doubt, um, that we will, but not right now. It's not wise for us with Tyler in the house at the moment. So, um, yeah, so we had to say no to those couple and there hasn't been any others, which is shocking to me because you guys probably remember from the last time that we literally got licensed. We found out we got licensed like in the morning, I got an email and that afternoon I had phone calls from social workers and we had her within, um, like, a week and a half or something like that. So we went and did a visit with her and then we literally got her like the next week. So it was very fast and very quick. So it's really strange that we are not getting any phone calls, but I'm just, I'm just banking on that there's a reason and that the timing, God's timing will all work itself out. So. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that's enough for an episode. (laughs) There's all sorts of other stuff we can talk mm-hmm. about, but mm-hmm. we'll save that for future episodes. I'm not going to tell you to keep transcending human because this is about transcending stories. So I'll just say thanks for joining us for this story, and we'll be back real soon with another one. Done. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels, And as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.